is Thin Air Community Radio, Spokane. This is Ceasefire Now. Welcome to Ceasefire Now, KYRS Thin Air Public Radio, where we discuss responsibility for U.S. imperialism. I'm your host, Russell Webster, and today I have some topics uh, lined up for you. It's going to be me talking to you mostly, unless I get any calls. The number is... Area code 509-747-3803. For some updates. At least 68,000 Palestinians have been injured since October 7th by U.S.-Israel attacks. U.S.-Israel has killed at least 26,000 Palestinians since October 7, 2023. South Africa has brought charges of genocide against Israel, which could take years to finalize, but we are awaiting calls for a ceasefire immediately. Infrastructure in Gaza and other areas of Palestine and the West Bank continue to be pulverized, flattened. Entire neighborhoods are being flattened in one fell swoop. Israel was flattening entire city blocks in the first week of the war. Into four months of the war, Israel is now leveling entire neighborhoods. Think about that. Entire neighborhoods. It's hard for me to even think that. I saw a video um, on X where this was happening. I'm going to share with you the audio. It's unsettling. If you need to turn your radio down for a couple minutes, do so. This is this is Israel on uh, what is this? January January sixteenth, twenty twenty four is when this this video was released. Uh, it's taken in January, and you can see from the distance. Uh, you can see the the uh, entire um, entire row of buildings just just they're collapsed at the same time. They're just blown up. It looks like something from from the beginning of Apocalypse Now or something. This is just the audio. Let's hear the music. Wow. <laughs> the boom. I'm trying to 
So that's normal. IDF soldiers are, are laughing and making jokes. Um, on the video itself, you can see them uh, taking pictures with their own personal uh, cameras and taking video to share with their friends. And uh, I don't know how far away they are. Maybe over, a, maybe a, it could be a mile. It's very safe distance, far away. They're watching, watching as they just blow up uh, Palestinian civilians. We know uh, over 8,000 children have been killed by U.S. and Israel's uh, strikes, which uh, we're paying for the tune of billions and billions of dollars, but we're funding it. So the threat of nuclear war is mounting every day. The threat comes in two forms, really. So there's this... uh, there's the intentional or the deliberate use of, of nuclear arms, which uh, is used rhetorically in the media as uh, a scare tactic, and you know, ob- ob- often you know, racism and things like that are used that uh, um, states outside of the West uh, cannot be trusted. Uh, with nuclear weapons, they're irrational, things like that. You hear that all the time out of uh, the mainstream uh, media. You hear it out of Washington. But the real threat from nuclear uh, weapons uh, or the over overarching threat seems to be accidental or an accidental uh, caused chain of events. The, at least this is what's happened in the past. So the... There have been several uh, moments in in history where uh, nuclear missiles were nearly launched just due to human error, uh, or perhaps there was a technical malfunction, and uh, somehow uh, someone was able to think through it. (laughs) Usually it was one person who raised the flag and said, hey, time out. I don't think this is real. But it could have easily led to a nuclear war. And these things aren't really reported on either. We find out years after or through some other media, public public radio perhaps. Oh. There are a few people in the nuclear governments who like actually believe that humans will intentionally start a nuclear war. I mean, that's, that was the whole point, right? That was the rationale for, for all of this, was that the, uh, the absolute power of, of nuclear weapons and our, our newfound capacity to essentially destroy ourselves was supposed to mean that we would be at this sort of stalemate uh, or that we could use these as uh, some sort of bargaining chips for uh, political measures in the in the uh, the sphere of major global power so that's the story anyway and then the on the other hand that uh, that stalemate of course as we know the uh, arms race cold war there's also a bit of a game in that as well there's 
the obvious uh, people who really believe uh, in the threat and they believe they need to uh, either create nuclear arms or uh, gather more nuclear arms to protect themselves. And then there's, uh, there's also an industry connected to it, obviously. Major, major industry, which isn't disconnected from uh, the military-industrial complex globally. So the nuclear uh, arms race is directly connected to the industry component of it as well. So we can see through these uh, rhetoric you know, happening right now. We can see that things like um, updating arms, updating nuclear weapons is framed as uh, something like moving away from nuclear weapons or decreasing nuclear weapon or decreasing the threat. But they're really updating them. So, I mean, it's more likely that a nuclear war would be set off by accident. But that, you know, that doesn't preclude a state from choosing to use them. So, I mean, but that would be considered like effective suicide by by the state deploying them. And nobody really thinks that um, that that is the mounting threat at the moment. Oh, this being so... Uh, concerned scientists they invented something they called the doomsday clock so this is uh, it was created shortly after uh, nuclear weapons were invented it was prompted by uh, famous scientists like uh, Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer and Many, many other scientists throughout the world. So, international movement to somehow <laughs> find a way to uh, limit the threat. So, there's this doomsday clock that they it's it's a uh, something that you can sort of use to reference where where are we at? Where are we at in terms of a, a potential nuclear war and things like that? And so. Uh, as the clock nears midnight, um, midnight's the end. So midnight is like game over, and it's been at it's been at different. Uh, the big hand's been at different places throughout the uh, Cold War. The last year, for for example, the clock uh, the clock was moved. I think is I think closer than it's ever been. So the clock. The doomsday clock was set to two minutes to midnight. Uh, 2019, the year 2019, right before the pandemic started. The doomsday clock was set to two minutes to midnight. And they, they have all sorts of reasons for that. So I think, uh, I'm sure like Trump Trump becoming president uh, definitely changed things for the scientists. And they took they calculated different events that were going on. And then in uh, 2022, the scientists moved the doomsday clock to uh, 100 seconds to midnight. And that was largely prompted by the Ukraine uh, invasion. So Russia invaded Ukraine and was uh, unleashing a uh, brutal war in Ukraine. And 
since Russia is is nuclear armed and uh, China is considered essentially uh, aligned with Russia more or less, and China has nuclear weapons and uh, the United States is on the other side of that. So uh, United States, a.k.a. NATO, um, encroaching closer and closer uh, throughout Eastern Europe, increasing the threat. So that was their their reasoning in 2022 for the 100 seconds to midnight. So this year, 2024, I've been I was actually waiting to see what what they would do with with the um, the war and genocide in in Palestine right now with several nuclear armed states involved uh, especially the United States and Israel. So with the with the war in Ukraine last year in 2023 they moved the clock up to 90 seconds to midnight. And then recently just this month they revisited uh and they moved the clock they kept the clock to 90 seconds. So they didn't move it up. And their reasoning was uh you know, that it remains um, unchanged this year because, uh, to quote, China, Russia, and the United States are all spending huge sums to expand or modernize their nuclear arsenals. Um, Well, yeah, that was happening last year too. Now we have even more um, states involved in a whole different war. But 90 seconds to midnight is no joke. So among the other uh, major factors cited uh, for the for the present position of the doomsday clock are the uh, proliferation of nuclear modernization programs among nuclear armed states, especially those with fraught relations. They use. The fraught relations uh, in the beginning of 2023, uh, as I was saying, focused on Ukraine. And then uh, in 2024, they add that the highly concerning development was the U.S.-Israel uh, war in Palestine, which is uh, quickly spread throughout the whole Middle East region. It's not widely reported in the mainstream as much as it should be. But there are now a handful of nuclear-armed states either at war or engaging in skirmishes throughout the world concentrated in the Middle East and in Eastern Europe. Another concern uh, for the nuclear scientists is the present crisis uh, of global warming. So climate scientists, now we're talking about the climate scientists, not the nuclear scientists, but uh, there's a lot of overlap there as well. So the climate scientists are presently uh, calling for deep, rapid, and sustained reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. They're calling for that today. That needs to happen right now. And I I don't think that can really be expressed enough either. So it's deep, rapid, and sustained reductions and I'm not seeing a semblance of that in the world today. I mean, there's bits and pieces of reforms and trying to urge, uh, you know, 
corporate certain corporations away from things like oil and other things like that. But I'm not seeing a uh, a, a a rush for a deep, rapid, and sustained reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. There's no sign that any global power is ready to implement such changes anytime soon. Uh, the scientists, the climate scientists also mention uh, increased biological threats to the species, noting that AI continues to accelerate, posing increased threats of both accidental and deliberate misuse of biology. So this is, uh, here's a longer quote from their reasoning behind that, um, that 90 days, I'm sorry, 90, 90 seconds to midnight is where we're at right now. Quote, today we once again set the doomsday clock at 90 seconds to midnight because humanity continues to face an unprecedented level of danger. Our decision should not be taken as a sign that the international security situation has eased. Instead, leaders and citizens around the world should take this statement as a stark warning and respond urgently, as if today were the most dangerous moment in modern history, because it may well be. End of quote. So the advice that the scientists give is that the, the three major nuclear armed states, so namely the United States, China, and Russia, should commence a serious dialogue and take responsibility for the threats to humanity and life on Earth. Should note, though, they didn't mention Israel. Now, it does not appear that the major powers are going to elect to take diplomatic measures to dismantle the nuclear threat. Uh, so it seems it's on civil society to see to the needed changes. And, well, that's always the case, isn't it? People, people have to organize and make it known, make their, make their demands known, and then see those through. Or we can wait for... Um, we can wait for the, the major powers and states to fix it for fix it for us and fix it for themselves. See how that, see how that works out. I don't know. Well, since October seventh, twenty twenty three, several members of the Israeli government have called for the option of using nuclear arms on Palestinians in Gaza. Of course, they can easily just be waved away or ignored and. But those calls have still emanated from the Israeli government. The Israeli calls for nuclear war were rebuked by the head of the Democratic Front for Peace and Equality, Isam McCall, who said, and here's the quote, The call to drop a nuclear bomb on Gaza is only part of the bloody racist and vengeful mood prevailing in Israel. The call to commit a nuclear war, uh, crime against a defenseless people issued by a minister in the government of an aggressive nuclear state that has been accumulating a huge nuclear arsenal for decades must urgently be a source of real concern for the entire 
civilized world. I'll be right back. حملت دمي 
Ceasefire Now Radio on KYRS Thin Air Public Radio. My name is Russell Webster. I'm your host. It's just me today. I've been talking about the war on Palestine, updates. I've been talking about the doomsday clock, which is a clock that the nuclear uh, scientists of the world decide uh, to move uh, the hand of the clock either closer to midnight or further away from midnight, depending on how much of a threat they gauge nuclear uh, war, essentially, in the world. The outbreak of a, a major nuclear exchange between global powers is what they're really concerned about. So I've been talking about that because it's something that I think about often. It's something that um, the generations that really grew up in the the, uh, Cold War era, in the 20th century, they thought about it all uh, often, from what I hear. And uh, it was a terrifying time for many people. From what I gather, uh, especially like in the late 60s, I'm sure there were other moments. Uh, obviously, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And there were also moments in the 70s. But the late 60s, there was a moment, I think, where many people just had this sense that the world was sort of falling apart. Or the world the world could end. You know, there's we have nuclear weapons, nuclear war. It's a possibility. And then that sort of went away. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't. I don't. I'm an '80s kid. I don't feel like our generation is thinks about nu- the threat of nuclear war as much as we should be. I don't think all of the generations that are, that are alive right now are thinking about it as much as we should be. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just this is real, and I don't know. Maybe we should do something about it. <laughs> nuclear uh, war wouldn't be good for cl- the climate either. I think the climate scientists say that a nuclear war would pretty much also spell a, a game over scenario. I want to read to you a op-ed I just saw today from, uh, this was in the Spokesman Review. It's a local newspaper in Spokane. This was on August 12th, 2018. It's a Sunday. So that was about year and a half or so before the pandemic broke out. 
Trump is Trump was in office. So August 12, 20, 2018, it's titled Meaning of Spokane's Nuclear Ban. As a war baby and a veteran, I'm puzzled by media's disinterest in the Spokane City Council's resolution to ban nuclear weapons, materials, and institute a day of remembrance for Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oddly, the controversy at the July 30th meeting was not over opposition to the insane policy of rejuvenating our muscle-bound and suicidal nuclear arsenal, but whether resolution supporters included appropriate Japanese and Japanese-American representation, and whether veterans for peace are real veterans if they don't glorify war. The resolution passed, and it's not about veterans or Japanese or victims. It's about Spokane, safety and accountability for our country's actions now and in 1945. Wrong actions, criminal actions still spreading global misery and fear. My dad could have come home from the war sooner had the U.S. accepted the mid-July surrender of the Japanese. Instead, According to Harry Truman's presidential papers, we delayed until we tested our atomic bombs on hundreds of thousands of civilians to show Stalin we had the ultimate weapon. That weapon tripled in potency many times, costing a trillion dollars, has been obsolete since we destroyed Nagasaki 73 years ago. It's only used for extortion, mutually assured destruction, and perpetuating conventional wars as corporate welfare. I'm sorry I didn't know the truth until after my war crimes in Vietnam. And I pity Americans who prize their ignorance of these facts. Signed, Rusty Nelson. I'd just like to say kudos. Now, on December 21, 2022, after three years of, of hard work by Spokane activists, including、uh, Veterans for Peace, Spokane signed into effect an ordinance that makes Spokane a nuclear free zone and prohibited from doing business with nuclear weapons industry. Anyone following this ordinance? Uh, if they know、um, anything about it or if Spokane is、um, adhering to the ordinance and you would like to talk about that, please let me know and email me. So on December 21, 2022,、uh, the ordinance for the, the、uh, Spokane, Washington went into effect and it made Spokane a nuclear free zone. Uh, but really, I think that the important part of that is that essentially forces Spokane in a way to cut ties with any、uh, with the nuclear arms industry, period. So,、uh, from another article, there's a, a quote to the purpose of the ordinance is to establish the city of Spokane as a zone free of nuclear weapons, prohibiting work on nuclear weapons. And limiting harmful exposure to high level nuclear waste within city limits. 
obviously that's city limits it doesn't apply to you know the air force base up on the hill the Spokane City Council voted in favor of that ordinance uh, that was November 7th 2022 I think that was a good thing I don't know how many people actually learned about it uh, I don't think that it was widely reported and we're still trying to actually get it out there and hope that other cities follow suit and other states and other countries and who knows maybe someday we could get Israel to sign the non uh, the nuclear non-proliferation treaty uh, which would apply to uh, every state in the Middle East including Iran including Saudi Arabia So I would definitely love to hear more about this nuclear uh, ordinance in Spokane and how it's affected Spokane uh, City. Uh, the article says that um, among the prohibitions, uh, it prohibits equipment, components, supplies, or substance used to produce nuclear weapons, uh, instructions to stop any investments the city may have or plan to have in industries and institutions which are knowingly and intentionally engaged in the production of nuclear weapons. And then it's also supposed to cease any business it has with uh, businesses connected to nuclear arms. So kudos to those activists and veterans of peace and every, anyone who was involved in making that happen. That would just happened. That was 2022, so it wasn't that long ago. And I'd really, I'd really be interested to see how this ordinance affects business, but also how the newer city councils that came after, and uh, we have a new mayor now, like how that's going to play into adhering to this ordinance. But Spokane City Council was involved in, in quite a bit lately. They, they actually passed other... Uh, Another res uh, a resolution, uh, which I'd like to talk about very shortly here. I'm just going to take another break, and then I'm going to get back to the Spokane City Council resolution, and it ties directly into the war on Palestine.
Palestinian popular dance troupe. I think I played this song before, but it's really good. And it's good to have. It's good to have like upbeat music and and po- you know positive stuff to to balance off all of the nuclear stuff and all of the other stuff. You know, so we have a we have a long uh, a long way to go. We got to stay stay positive in this movement. There's so much. Uh, so much good out there in the world. It's easy to forget it, forget that, you know. Next week, though, I'd like to have on. Uh, I think Sharok uh, volunteered to come back on, and uh, we're going to discuss. Well, I want to leave it a surprise, but we're going to discuss some uh, more cultural aspects, uh, particularly relating to Palestine culture, and. Uh, might talk about food too. I just learned that Shro's an excellent chef. Now I want some baklava. But going back to the uh, Spokane City Council meeting, so I'll probably go into further detail on this at a uh, on another show, and I'd like to have some folks on to talk to them about their their uh, perceptions of the whole. Um, protest this this specific uh, protest that was for a um, city council resolution that uh, passed unanimously was October 9th the war kicked off October 7th and by October 9th uh, the council person uh, Jonathan Bingle brought up this resolution to the rest of the city council and uh, I've been calling it essentially a pro-Israel resolution. I'm not going to read it out or anything, but uh, I, don't, I really don't have to say anything about it. I think the uh, last three, four months of protests and the facts that I'm about to talk about uh, right now speak to the problematic nature of the resolution that was passed. So they passed this resolution on October 9th no one, no one asked them to. No one knew they were going to. I just did it very quickly. I think it was sort of toward, more toward the end of a city council meeting. I watched, I watched the video of it, and it's just sort of, oh, here's a resolution. Uh, everyone just sort of passed it without any dissent or questions or anything. 
so uh, it's just another 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 topic uh, to just check off and then move on to the next one. What's 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 on the agenda? So they passed that resolution and protests uh, erupted immediately. And I was part of a group that would uh, meet at City Hall every uh, Monday and. We wanted our voices to be heard and we wanted the voices of people throughout the world uh, who were against this war to be heard and we wanted this resolution to be um, canceled or overridden or something. But we wanted we wanted something to be done and we were largely ignored for weeks and there were different, different tactics used and protesters and activists, as, as we do, we had to, you know, we were... Um, creative as well for example uh we're not allowed obviously to talk during during the city council uh, unless unless you're actually up speaking at the podium and have your two minutes but uh you're not supposed to comment from the audience you're not supposed to clap boo things like that but there was nothing that said you couldn't stand so when someone we agreed with uh was speaking against Israel and, and for Palestine to, to end this genocidal war, we would stand to show solidarity. And when someone would um, perhaps use like fascist rhetoric or racist rhetoric or um, deny that there was a genocide happening at all, um, we would turn our backs on them. So to make a long story short, uh, last Monday, uh, city council, after months of... of, of internal discussions and discussions with local leaders and activists and uh, members of the Palestinian community and other affected communities, the uh, city council drafted, uh, finalized another resolution that uh, passed. I think it had one, one vote against it. I think it was uh, Bingle who brought up the original resolution. And... That the, the resolution that passed, you know, has its problems of its own. But uh, also, what the city council did was they brought uh, new changes to city council uh, session, and especially concerning public comment. And so they essentially um, changed many things. And so they moved open forum to the to the end of city council, and. Uh, they said that speakers can only discuss topics specific to the business, to city business, so whatever that means. I guess city council has to let us know. Um, and they just wanted to emphasize, city council wanted to emphasize that they don't have to hold open forum at all. So if they're um, you know, too tired or they have other more important business to do, then, then they'll just do, uh, they can cancel the public comment altogether. So we're seeing these increases in like fascist, um, you know, fascist approaches to dealing with dissent and public uh, organizing and activism, not just in Spokane, not just in the United States even, but throughout the world. And it's very concerning and I want to continue to talk about this, this spread of fascism. It's not as though, you know, if Trump were reelected, then fascism will come, it's uh, someone like Trump could get reelected because fascism has already developed at, to that stage.
I'll talk more about that at a future date. But now I've run out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Ceasefire Now Radio. Please join me next Thursday, 3 p.m. live Pacific Standard Time.